Welcome back to another edition of our ML Ops Coffee Session podcast. Today, we are joined by none other than Xavi. And I brought him on the show because I wanted to talk about the article that he wrote some time ago now. And it's all about machine learning systems and security of these machine learning systems. For those of you that have been listening for a while, you know that security is something high on my list of priorities when it comes to machine learning and that and a few other things. But we are getting into security specifically today. I will tell you that if you are not in our security and privacy channel on the MLOps community Slack and you enjoy these kind of topics, I guess that is the first important piece. If you enjoy or think that they are important, then jump into that channel because there are smart people sharing all that they can about security and privacy. And one of the great pieces that has been shared in there is the article from Shabby. So with me as always is Vishnu. Welcome Shabby. And I'm excited to talk to you about this. Maybe we can start just by getting a bit of background information about yourself. Yes, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Dimitris and Vishnu, for having me here. I uh, just yeah, want to thank you also for all the work that you're doing uh, with uh, the, uh, the MLOps uh, community. Uh, it's really a uh, community that I, uh, that I love. Uh, it's, uh, there is so much content, good content uh, out there. A uh, lot of experts sharing uh, really interesting things. A lot of subjects uh, that we talk about in the community. Um, and you always bringing superstars in in your meetups, and uh, so so thanks a lot for all all of your work. Um, yes, yeah, so to to present myself, so uh, I'm uh, I'm Sabi. So um, I'm a data scientist. Uh, I started working um, like six years six years ago in um, in a startup in Paris. Um, so we were actually a bit early, so we started trying to automate machine learning and also work on um, putting models in production and explain these models uh, like uh, six years ago. Um, and after that, uh, now I'm working uh, at SAS, so it's a much bigger company um, and uh, with a lot of uh, powerful tools also to, uh, to manage uh, this uh, this data science world, uh, in order to to have the best platform for uh, for data scientists. Awesome. So, I think the logical question here is: Why did you write this paper? What inspired you to write the article? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, let me start with a story, uh, like. Um, all uh, data scientists uh, experience this kind of uh, these kind of things. It's what I call uh, the uh, "no, you put it in the into production" uh, kind of situation. So it's not directly related to uh, to security, but yeah, uh, it happened uh, in my early days uh, as a data scientist. Um, I worked uh, on a, uh, on a huge project, so uh, it was with an um, international uh, customer. Uh, so uh, we spent a lot of time on this project, uh, uh, working with the customers. Uh, we went abroad. It was in China. The customers came uh, to to France uh, to, uh, to work with us, and we did a really good job to uh, to um, actually uh, have the best model in terms of performance. And once this this work uh, was uh, was finished. Uh, you have uh, uh, my boss who came to me and you said, great, now you put it into production. And <laughs> that's where you start to think about all the things that maybe you could have done differently if you want to put uh, your model uh, into production. Uh, so uh, maybe you used some um, uh, some uh, some data that you want to query um, uh, in real time, uh, but your your model would be offline, so this uh, this doesn't work. You made a super complex uh, architectures of models, uh, combining ensembling different models, and it's uh, too difficult also to uh, to to deploy it. 
So there, there are a lot of um, choices that you make when you're building uh, your models, uh, choices that you would do differently if you had the visibility about what are you going to do and uh, what are you going to, uh, to, uh, to put in production. And I think that security uh, is, is one of uh, these, uh, these choices uh, that you could do differently if you're aware of uh, the uh, the implication of, of what you do. So recently, uh, so I, I started to think as a data scientist, of course, I want to have the best performance for my models. So most of the time I'm going to uh, fetch um, a lot of data in order to have more data from different parts. Uh, so so it, uh, uh, it, it can be, for example, um, uh, scrapping some, uh, some web websites, using um, some open data, um, going and uh, using uh, a pre-trained model from, uh, uh, from, from GitHub. And actually, when you think about that, each one of these choices is actually a security uh, threat. Uh, it's uh, it's as as soon as you go and fetch something from uh, the uh, from from the internet, so uh, some external data or models, uh, there is a risk so that this uh, this kind of um, data could be malicious or could contain um, actually some um, some um, some something that uh, that is a threat for the security of uh, of the model. Uh, so that's how I started to think about the subjects. And at the time, I, I tried to look about uh, the, the different kind of threats that we could have um, in, uh, in machine learning. And I didn't find actually um, uh, a source where I could uh, find this, this whole list of, uh, of threats. So I decided to do this research. Uh, and uh, and to look uh, to look um, uh, to look at this subject, uh, and I discovered that actually uh, it's a research area, so that's why we don't have um, uh, so much content about uh, this subject. Uh, but in research, um, what you have is a lot of really bright people, but what they're doing is uh, like designing attacks in order to. Um, to, to attack some uh, machine learning models uh, and others designing defenses uh, against, uh, against these attacks. And then uh, it's a cycle because another uh, guy is go going to come and he's going to design another attack that is going to break this defense. So it, it's kind of a game, but actually there is nothing that could help me as a data scientist working on a, on a business project uh, with a real yeah. customer. Uh, in order to, uh, to make my model uh, safer and have a clear idea of what's happening. So that's how the idea of this article came. I did uh, some research and uh, ended up writing uh, this piece. Well, I love how you went from needing it. First of all, I love the story about now let's put it into production because I think everyone can relate to that. And that's probably half of the people in the MLOps community are there because they've had that very same experience. And so it's good to hear that you had that and you were a little bit discombobulated with, well, what do I do now? And, oh, maybe I shouldn't have optimized for those things that I optimized for. Or maybe I was like making things a little over-engineered here. So it's really nice that you were able to see that and learn from it. And then the security part where you realize that there's only, or the majority of what you're reading out there was research and it applied to research. It didn't really apply to your specific use case and situation where you needed to have tangible things you could do to make your model more secure. So that is just, it's, an, it's a great way. You're solving this pain point by learning and by going through the different ways of how you can make this model secure on your own. And so, and then you became a quote unquote expert on it. So I love that uh, journey. And maybe we can talk now about some of these reasons why we should even care about keeping our models secure. I imagine that 
a lot of people out there, especially data scientists, are thinking in the way that you used to think, and they're just trying to create the best model with the best accuracy score and not really thinking about production yet and everything that comes with production. And so maybe there are a few things I know in, in the article you talked about, like, what are, what are things we should care about or why should we care about these different things? Yeah, uh, so uh, when we're talking about um, machine learning security, first, we have to be aware that machine learning systems are uh, actually so software uh, pieces. So they're going to be, um, uh, so um, in terms of security, you're going to have the software security, cybersecurity part. But in addition to that, you're going to have some specific um, security threats for your machine learning uh, model. So there is some part that is already solved or not, not solved, but you have a lot of uh, resources or, um, already that, uh, that is available uh, um, out there about uh, this, uh, this software part, but not that much about this, uh, this specific uh, machine, learning, machine learning part. So when we're talking about um, uh, machine learning uh, models, um, the kind of threats that we're going to have, it's, uh, it's, it could be about data or the model. So the model actually uh, is uh, something that you build out of data. So as soon as your model uh, is subject to attacks, it's actually uh, the, the data that is used, uh, which is a threat uh, as well. So the kind of threats that uh, we, we're going to have is um, data extraction. So the ability actually to extract some specific data from your model. And uh, we know that uh, this, uh, this could be uh, uh, really problematic um, uh, in terms of uh, privacy uh, first uh, and, and foremost uh, so about, about privacy. Um, it's, could be another type of problem affecting the model by actually um, corrupting it, making it um, uh, generate false uh, predictions. So uh, th this could, uh, yeah, this could be used by uh, by harmful people, for example, to to avoid uh, some some filters. Uh, for example, let's say let's say on social media there is a, a fake news uh, detector. So uh, by by uh, by manipulating your input in some way, you're going to avoid uh, avoid that, that feature. Um, and there is also the, the problem of model stealing. Actually, uh, just by uh, providing uh, an API um, so that um, um, somebody can query your model and get a response, by doing that a lot of times, we're able actually to make a copy of this model. And this, uh, this is a problem, uh, uh, for example, if uh, actually your, your service is a paid service because uh, uh, so some people can copy your model and uh, make, it, uh, make it free or use it, uh, use it uh, without, uh, without you, or it could be a competitor that, uh, that could uh, steal your model as well. So uh, there are different kinds of threats related to models and data. And each each um, each kind of threat is uh, is going to have some uh, some sensitivity, and I think that, of course, not all the projects that we uh, we work on every day um, are 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 maybe uh, sensitive sensitive uh, models, but it's it's something that we should do for each project. It's to uh, to think about it and maybe assess the risks of, uh, of these, uh, these models. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, uh, Sabi. And so this framework that you've provided for security uh, and, and the different threats that exist, um, it's something that sounds very similar to what we discussed with Diego Oppenheimer, the CEO of Algorithmia, who joined us to talk a lot about what uh, MLSecOps uh, looks like uh, with their platform and, and how they've been thinking about this challenge. How do you, as a data scientist now, now that you know some of these challenges and some of these uh, threats that are posed to machine learning systems, 
how have you changed your development practices to mitigate those threats during the course of model development and productionization? Yeah. Um, so when we talk about uh, security, so we talked about um, assessing, uh, assessing the risk uh, of our models. So I think that each one in the organization uh, can have uh, his role uh, in, uh, in avoiding this, uh, these problems. So me as a data scientist, I have to be aware when I build my model, if there are security threats associated with it. So if I'm going to fetch data from unreliable sources, this is a, a security threat. Um, if I'm going to, uh, to fetch a mo model from uh, a model zoo, well, there are different uh, model zoos uh, where, uh, where people can, um, can go to, uh, to, uh, to use some pre-trained model, I have to make sure that it's a reliable source, a source as well. Because if this model is corrupted, my model is going to be corrupted as well. So there is uh, during uh, how during uh, modeling uh, in uh, in function of how I am going to uh, to to use the data and to expose my model as a data scientist, I should uh, I should know where are the threats, and then you uh, you're going to uh, to work with a machine machine learning engineer uh, with um, with uh, with your manager, and at each stage. Um, there could be some uh, some responsibility. So here, uh, the, uh, there is a, an, an, an answered question. It's uh, the accountability. Who is accountable for that? But for for example, as a um, as a product owner, I should be able to uh, to uh, to evaluate the the different risks associated with the, with this model. So uh, working with uh, data scientists, we know where where are the risks risks. And we can associate uh, maybe some um, uh, some some importance uh, to these risks. And then, as a manager and decision maker, I could decide if I put the, this model uh, in production as is, or if I do some tweaks uh, to it. That often come actually in um, at the cost of uh, accuracy or uh, or other things that I have to uh, that I have to tweak. Got it. Got it. So. It sounds uh, sounds very logical, which is you know as a as a professional, it's incumbent upon you to really understand some of the day to day threats that may emerge. Everybody has to play a role in that, and then to also work as part of a larger team to really take security in as a um, what's the term? I'm, I'm I'm forgetting the term, but almost as like a first consideration um, to to make that as part of your development practices, and that makes a lot of sense. One of the things I really enjoyed about your article that I would love for us to cover are some of the ways that we can actually secure models on a, on a more almost tactical level. You mentioned things like differential privacy and homomorphic encryption. Could you talk to us a little bit about what some of those, you know, obviously, you know, I would love to, you know, I'd love to, as a data scientist, be completely responsible with all of my security uh, practices and, and you know as you said model zoo or looking at other external sources and, and take that into account but assuming I've done all of that what are the other tools in the toolbox that you know you covered uh, in the article and could you give us an introduction to those yes um, so wow, luckily for, crazy. Us, uh, for for each one of the threats that we mentioned uh, we have some defenses um, so uh, that, that exists uh, for for this uh, this kind of threats um, so, yeah, uh, when we when we talk, for example, about uh, the um, the data extraction problem, the, the fact that uh, for large models uh, we're we're able to extract data, uh, this could affect uh, yeah very very large um, language models, for example. Uh, this kind of um, this kind of uh, models are very subject to this kind of threat. Uh, for example, you take um, there is um, the, uh, the algorithms used, uh, for example, uh, in Gmail, the smart composer. Uh, some researchers uh, have shown that uh, by prompting uh, the, mo the, the, the model with the right words, we're able actually to extract very specific uh, data, from, uh, personal data. Uh, so they were able to extract name, phone number, email address, physical address, of, uh, of a real person from this kind of models. 
So uh, luckily for us, uh, yeah, luckily for us, these engineers, uh, so they also work at, uh, at Google. So uh, Google is doing the <laughs> the right things in order to to secure um, the, this this uh, this kind of models. But the risk the risk is there, and uh, in order to uh, to avoid this problem in um, in large uh, in large models, uh, we have to understand um, what's what what the problem. Why do we have? Are we able to extract uh, this uh, this data? It's because actually the model is so complex that it's able to memorize uh, some specific details in the data. Um, so, uh, so uh, what we can do in order to uh, to uh, to have a defense against that is uh, one technique that is called the differential privacy is to constrain uh, put a constraint on the model uh, in some way in order actually to uh, to control how much it's going to memorize data so then uh, for us we're going to have um, some knob called the epsilon and depending on where i put the knob i'm able to decide whether i care or about privacy first or accuracy first. So it's going to be a choice uh, in order to, uh, to choose where I'm going to put uh, this, uh, this. So this is um, differential privacy. But you then- have, oh, Sorry, before we jump to the next one, do you have any other stories or occurrences like this Google one where data was leaked in that fashion? Do you have any other uh, ones? Uh, an example with uh, much uh, recent, no uh, more recent is um, uh, Microsoft, who, who uh, recently released uh, Copilot for GitHub. Uh, so this, uh, this, um, so it's enable you as a as a default developer to have uh, smart suggestions uh, suggestion uh, when, when you're coding. So uh, first thing uh, some people uh, did is just write API key equals and see what uh, the model outputs. And there you're going to have, uh, of course, uh, some uh, some uh, some some serious, uh, privacy and security problem because yeah, it it can output some uh, uh, some real keys. Uh, sometimes it outputs also some headers of websites with uh, with uh, names uh, inside it. But the thing is, uh, Copilot is trained on uh, public data. Uh, it's it's all open source. But you have you also have some uh, some personal details and sensitive data in uh, in, uh, in in public uh, public data. So yeah, so uh, um, it's uh, um, yeah, yeah the the problem uh, that we mentioned exists also in. Um, uh, in uh, GPT-2, uh, the model developed by OpenAI. So in this kind of um, kind of uh, models, uh, you're going to have uh, uh, this uh, this kind of threats. Yeah. Uh, but there are other defenses. So for each type of model, you're going to have uh, some some defense. Uh, one of the um, most known threats is uh, adversarial examples. Uh, the fact by uh, tweaking some um, some inputs, for example, it could be images or uh, or um, or text. You you you're going to uh, um, to make the, the model output um, another another prediction. Uh, so we talked um, about um, the, um, uh, the, uh, the the spam. It could it could be in spam filters or in uh, fake news detectors. Uh, in social media, you also have uh, some um, harmful content uh, uh, filters, and if if your model uh, is not secured, uh, actually uh, it's uh, it's possible to um, to to design some uh, some input uh, that it's going to uh, to get through these uh, these filters. And the problem here is that the only defense is actually to uh, to 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 do it before the attacker to know uh, to to uh, to know which kind of transformation he's going to do and actually train your model uh, with the data augmentation in order uh, that your model is uh, so that your model is more robust to this kind of uh, attacks so uh, yes uh, it, uh, uh, and these things yeah. i'm just wondering as you're talking about this 
are these because you're in France uh, and you probably have heard and looked at the new proposed regulation from the EU and how they talk about this robustness. Do you feel like this kind of strategy will help those who now have to all of a sudden take this new regulation into account? Uh, yes, uh, exactly. So the mm. new uh, regulation actually, um, what's good about it is that it puts a framework and uh, it defines also uh, what's a sensitive AI application because uh, that's what we're talking about. It's, uh, it's really these kind of systems uh, that, uh, that should be robust and uh, that we should uh, be sure that uh, they're not uh, uh, they're not threatened by, by such attacks. And the EU regulation defines, um, defines uh, sensitive application as something that is harmful uh, psychologically or physically to, uh, to people. So yeah, uh, I, I assume that we define it uh, as such. Uh, for example, uh, if, uh, if uh, some people are able uh, to um, to put some harmful content on social media, yeah, this is uh, this is uh, this this is harmful, and then uh, it's uh, it it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't happen, or you're you're going to have some fines, uh, etc. Uh, when we're talking about uh, autonomous vehicle, uh, yeah, it could be physically harmful, so it's 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 a sensitive system uh, as well. So it it's uh, yeah it's. Um, I think it's uh, it allows to to better to define this kind of uh, sensitive uh, applications as well. So there's something else that I wanted to talk about that you mention, and it is the dangers of federated learning. And I know that federated learning is quite popular these days in the community. So maybe we can go down that route and why that's different than just the normal machine learning yep uh, yes yeah, so federated learning um, is yeah for just very quick introduction is about uh, let's say distributed learning so uh, it's uh, the ability to um, to um, to use the data that is going to be in uh, different uh, locations and use it in order to train uh, one model uh, based on all these data without aggregating all the data on the, in, the, in the same location. So uh, it's used, for example, in a smartphone. Uh, we take uh, Android or, um, or, or iPhones. Uh, there, is, uh, there is some uh, federated learning that is used. So uh, in theory, uh, if I'm a hacker and I have a smartphone, uh, actually, I'm able to put anything I want in, uh, in this device. I have total control over the data here in, on, this, uh, on this device. And this data is going to be uh, used uh, in order to, to learn uh, a model. So this is, this is actually a threat for federated learning because a hacker is able to inject uh, any data he wants uh, for, uh, for, the final, uh, for the final model. And it's even more sensitive because federated learning is also used a lot in the, um, in the, in the medical areas um, between, uh, between hospitals, mm -hmm. because we have um, patient data in different hospitals and we want to use all of the data uh, on, uh, uh, in, uh, for in all the hospitals around the world in order to, to have the best, uh, the best AI in order to, uh, to detect some, um, uh, some disease. Uh, but we don't want to put all the data in the same place and uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's difficult to share data between, uh, between hospitals. So federated learning is, uh, is a solution. But for, for medical data, we have to be really uh, hyper-secure when we're, uh, we're manipulating this data. But luckily, I think that uh, the brightest people right now are, are working on this subject. And that's why we have some um, really interesting uh, techniques uh, and uh, defenses that were designed for federated learning. 
uh, we can uh, we can uh, talk about um, homomorphic encryption. It's uh, how actually you um, you ensure that you encrypt your data in some way that um, um, you ensure that uh, the 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 the, um, the the computation that you do on encrypted data uh, you you're going to um, to deduct the results uh, from it and uh, and uh, and uh, and encrypt it in order to get the, the final result. So it's uh, it's doing uh, computation on encrypted data. Uh, there, there is also other met methods such as uh, secure multi-party computation. So there are different uh, different techniques designed mostly for federated learning. But we have to also to be aware that it's still a research area and it's improving every day. So it's uh, it, it's we don't have yet the perfect framework, but we have different framework with uh, with uh, with some advantages and uh, and uh, and some problems as well. Yeah, no, that's that's a great answer and really highlights I think in federated learning. There's a lot of excitement about federated learning in a lot of different industries because I think, you know, the challenge is, is that a lot of people see data as a strategic asset and getting unlocking the value of data has been a challenge um, because of that. And federated learning has been posited as a solution to that. But what you're highlighting is it's not necessarily a panacea when you consider the security challenges that are involved. And that's, that's, I think that that's a great point. As nice I vocab word there, panacea. Like <laughs> You've been studying word of the day, huh? There we go. <laughs> yeah, it is. I did. <laughs> no, it's just, um, so after Demetrius just blew up my train of thought, trying to reconstitute <laughs> it. Um, I think listening to your descriptions of some of the challenges that are inherent to model development, the security challenge inherent to model development, it seems that, you know, there's almost this process of model interrogation, right? Which, which is, you know, in some ways similar to what we call interpretability, uh, but is a little bit more directed in the sense that, you know, for example, what these Google researchers did to unpack the smart composed models was a very focused exercise that wasn't just dependent on one analysis like interpretability, which, you know, interpretability, I think people are using SHAP scores or Lime and, and, and very you know, specific techniques. In interrogation, there's almost, um, you know, an entire process. And to me, I think when I hear you go through it, it seems like there are three, three almost three legs to the stool of, of, of model interrogation, right? You have your operational component where there are different teams, security, ML engineering, data science that can help with it. There's a regulatory piece, right? Which is the regulators themselves are saying, have you answered these questions? And the third stool or third, third leg to the stool that I feel like I haven't had a good grasp on is the tooling around this, right? Which is what are the tools that allow us to interrogate models and to answer some of the security practice challenges that we face um, that we just talked about? Where do you think the current state stat, status of tooling is? And are there any tools that you found useful in terms of ensuring uh, model security? Yes, and uh, what's exciting about this is that if you have asked this question when I wrote the article, uh, I think there were none. But a few months later, uh, there are mm. some, uh, some tools that uh, have emerged. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, we're starting to, uh, to see something uh, really interesting uh, in uh, some, uh, some of the biggest companies. Um, uh, where you have this uh, this kind of uh, sensitive uh, systems, these companies are now building some teams that they call AI red teams. So actually, these teams it's uh, it's coming from the the security um, uh, area or gaming as well. So we have the red team and the blue team. Blue team is focusing on uh, defensive strategies, and red teams are focused uh, on uh, trying to attack their own systems in order to, uh, to be aware of the risks and to, uh, to de defend better at the end. And uh, so you have uh, some um, AI red teams uh, in uh, some big companies like uh, Microsoft, uh, for, for example, and Facebook. And these teams just started uh, to, uh, to develop some tools that they are open sourcing right now. 
Um, so uh, one, uh, for example, we have um, the, the Facebook uh, team that uh, developed uh, Ugly. So this, this is actually a tool that allows to, um, uh, to be more robust to, uh, to adversarial attacks. So it's a tool where they try to, uh, to, to do, uh, to try a lot of augmentations um, on, on, on the input data in order to, uh, to make uh, the, the, the model more, more robust to this kind of attacks. Um, you have Microsoft who developed a tool called Counterfeit, uh, which looks interesting because the idea is to evaluate the, the, the threats of, of your model. So it's based on, um, on, on this uh, matrix of, of threats that, uh, that we just uh, discussed. And it, it tries to look at these different threats in order to evaluate the, the risk uh, of, of the model. So these kind of tools we didn't have uh, some months ago, but it's the tools that, uh, that, that we need in order to, uh, to, uh, to, make, uh, to make our model uh, more secure. And if we look at it, it's actually, it's, uh, it's like the same story uh, again, because we had the data scientists and then with more tools, we, we switched to uh, machine learning engineering um, in order to be uh, more um, production focused. And for security, it's, uh, it's the same thing that's happening because we, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, it's a research area. But as soon as uh, we have um, tools that are developed, uh, we're going to have maybe um, uh, more profiles who are able to, uh, to, to take this uh, to take this and to work on the, the security of, uh, of this, uh, this kind of uh, models. That's awesome. It's really, really promising to hear that there are so many of these tools that are, that are coming out now. Uh, especially, I think a lot of the ways that, you know, if you look at the history of sort of ML ops to date so far, it's been, you know, you had ML happening in the uniquely talented enterprises like Google, Uber, Pinterest, et cetera. Then people who built those systems came out and started MLOps uh, to tooling companies, right? Uh, and then that has enabled it for all other companies to be able to adopt the same best practices that other companies develop more easily. And it sounds like what you're saying is a similar sort of thing is occurring in ML security, where the leading enterprises are developing some new best practices. Those professionals hopefully will come out, start companies or create knowledge that others then will be able to access to be able to implement um, ML security best practices. Does that sound does that sound like a fair summary? Yeah, it's, uh, it's I think it's, uh, it's exactly that, uh, and that's how how science works, and that's why we have we have research. Um, and I think uh, that this domain is really exciting because at the end is the fusion of two great domains, which is AI and uh, cybersecurity. Uh, and uh, yeah, when you when you look at uh, at the research paper and the problems, it's uh, yeah. Sometimes you you really have to to dig into the uh, the inner functioning of the model, into the mathematical uh, implication, in order to uh, to uh, to design some uh, some tools like that. And uh, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, it's very interesting to see. Yeah, I think you highlighted it because you highlighted it. Exactly right. Which is, it's not just that there is this research happening in the cyber in the ML world, you know, or security for ML. That's cybersecurity itself is a, is a vast field, and it feels like there's so much, you know, with the advances in cryptography and with the advances, you know, just in terms of thinking about um, threat points for different um, cybersecurity systems, and in fact, using machine learning for cybersecurity. It's it's crazy to think about all yeah. the different, you know, innovative fields. That too. That, yeah, yeah, it's all of these different intersections that are happening. Yeah, yeah, the, that's uh, the, that's true. So uh, yeah, uh, we we've been hearing about uh, machine learning um, for uh, cybersecurity, but yeah, uh, the cybersecurity of machine learning is actually completely completely different, and uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a subject on its own uh, as well. So. I wanted to just mention something that was posted in the security and privacy channel on Slack from Diego, actually, who we also spoke to about this a few weeks ago. And 
when we talked to him, he mentioned how vulnerable or how how bad of a practice it is to just go and download anything off of PyPy and bring it onto your Jupyter Notebook and then just, you know, import whatever from this on PyPy and and how this article that he shared talks about how Python developers are being targeted with malicious packages on PyPy. And so that's just something that since we are talking about this and the greater ecosystem and ways that you can potentially be vulnerable, I wanted to mention that anyone who wants to dig into it more, we can link to that article in the description on and or you can go into the security and privacy channel. But so my next question for you, Shabby, is more along the lines of synthetic data. And I've heard a bit about synthetic data, and I'm wondering where you stand on it. Maybe you can just give us your two cents and how you feel this can be helpful, or is it not really that important? What would it be used for? Is it a tool that we can use as data scientists to help us create more robust systems? Yeah, uh, so synthetic data, um, so for me, it's mainly what you, um, what you generate using generative, um, generative models. Uh, so um, it could be uh, images, um, for example, we see a lot of uh, use cases um, or uh, to, uh, to, to, make, uh, to make some art, uh, like um, making some, uh, some paintings that resemble uh, some, uh, some painter. Uh, it's, uh, it's also used in music now, where we have some uh, generation of, uh, of music. But when we talk about uh, security, it's for me, it's not directly synthetic data, but data augmentation. Um, the, the difference is that what you're going to, uh, to take is actually the, um, your, the, your inputs and try to do a lot of transformation on these inputs. Uh, so you're going to synthesize example that you're augmenting some existing data in order to make it uh, more, more robust uh, to uh, to, uh, to, 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 to attacks. So uh, by, by flipping it, uh, if, if it's uh, images, uh, rotating it uh, for, for text, uh, you're going to introduce uh, some, um, uh, for example, uh, uh, characters, uh, some uh, different, different words uh, that could be used. So it's more uh, data augmentation. But yeah, I'm trying to think if um, data synthesis could be uh, used as well. But right now, I don't have uh, examples uh, of it. Uh, yeah, so that that makes sense on the on the synthetic data standpoint. I think just to kind of bring this whole conversation full circle, you know, uh, we've talked about so many different new. Uh, privacy methods, so to speak, or new sort of security defense tactics, so many uh, potential threats for data scientists to take into account as they develop models. You know, as you, you sit here in 2021, how do you think, what is your prescription on where do you think, you know, this whole question of ML security will be in five, 10 years? I'm kind of curious how you see things looking like going forward, will we have, you know, um, almost automated security practices the same way that we have in other sort of like infrastructure as code? Or, or do you think that, you know, there's a different way that this will develop? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think that uh, actually what you, um, when you look at uh, the big, big companies that actually reflect uh, where most of the companies are going when they're going to, to mature. Um, today, uh, by creating this uh, kind of AI red teams, the idea actually is even broader than just the, the model security because uh, there are so much things at stake. You have uh, the, the privacy, uh, the security, but also the, the bias of, of the algorithms. So. Um, all of these things, you you have to ensure that uh, that that your models uh, are always uh, secure and uh, robust to this uh, to this kind of uh, to this kind of threats. 
especially with uh, with MLOps and automating how how our models are uh, are put into production. Um, uh, tomorrow, uh, I have a I have a, a robust algorithm that is in place uh, that is uh, scrapping some uh, some uh, some kind of comments from a website. One day or another. Uh, a competitor or a malicious person is going to inject some uh, some data out there, and I have to be aware that if this happens, what's the implication uh, for uh, for for my company? So I think that we're going to see more and more of these teams uh, in uh, in other companies. Uh, so some teams who are um, uh, really focused on uh, this uh, machine learning uh, security security parts. Uh, for the moment, uh, this, uh, I think it's quite um, some scientific uh, skills that are needed most because it's still a research area. But as we have seen with data science, with more and more tools that you're going to uh, to see, uh, I hope, and that are going to be developed, um, we would uh, we would have uh, maybe some more software um, uh, software oriented uh, uh, personas and skills. That could also take on this uh, this uh, this kind of um, this kind of subjects. So I love that you're talking about this because when you look at different companies that are heavily relying upon machine learning for their bottom line, and you need to know the implications of what it means to have data poisoning or these different threats that are coming at you, you need to have that very clear because that could be a heavy, heavy hit to your company and the bottom line, like we're talking about. The last thing I want to ask you, which is a bit of a tangent, but I would love to go down this little rabbit hole with you. As you were writing this and as you were trying to figure out what are some ways that my models are vulnerable? What are some threats to them? How can I fix these threats? Where did you encounter the biggest pain points? What were some parts where maybe it was in implementing some of these security measures, you realized it was very difficult, or maybe it was just in finding the information on how the model is a threat and then having to try and lock down your model in that way? What were the pain points that you encountered? Yeah, so I uh, think is when I wrote the article, it's uh, the the content the content about uh, about security was not that available. I think that uh, this is uh, yeah, we're seeing more and more content uh, out there. Uh, I think luckily for uh, for us. Um, so I think uh, one one of the biggest hurdles is maybe the. Uh, the, the level of uh, science that you need in order to understand, uh, in order to understand the attacks and the, the defenses, because it's really uh, linked to how the how the model uh, and the learning is done. Um, uh, so it's I think, yeah. Uh, for now, you need to have this this kind of level of understanding of your uh, of your uh, models. In order to understand how these work, um, so maybe this could be as well um, uh, an obstacle for hackers, because in order to to design uh, some uh, some uh, some new methods, maybe there are easier ways to uh, to attack some machine learning system than uh, to design a whole new way to uh, to uh, to um, to corrupt uh, a gradient descent. Uh, so. It's it's a it's a good news from uh, from one point of view, um, but what what I also liked uh, when I uh, started to, to make research with uh, with um, especially uh, these new tools that are coming, uh, you have now some uh, some um, uh, there is a tool that uh, that was uh, released by Nvidia I think, uh, which is an environment that would allow uh, anyone to uh, actually. Uh, try to hack a uh, machine learning uh, machine learning model. So it's an environment made for attacks in order to uh, to to have some uh, uh, some hands-on experience uh, and and try to uh, to, uh, to 
to understand uh, how it's how it's working. So uh, this is, I think, um, a good area, and uh, it's good that we we start to see this kind of uh, this kind of tools. Uh, there is another um, uh, another thing that that is now organized, uh, I think, uh, by Microsoft. It's actually a challenge. Um, it's uh, it's like a Kaggle challenge for data science. But here, it's not about uh, making the, the best performance. It's about uh, attacking uh, an existing uh, model, trying to, uh, to, uh, to divert it and to, uh, to, uh, to make some um, uh, adversarial attacks against this model. And also in defense, uh, trying to, to, to best defend some, some model and making it robust to, uh, robust to these attacks. So I hope that you're going to see more and more um, initiative like this because it's, uh, it's with uh, such initiatives that we're going to have more and more people um, aware and knowledgeable about uh, how, how this works. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I love talking to people about security at this point in time, because it feels like it is one of those pieces of machine learning that is a little bit put off to the side or like you talked about at the beginning, who owns this problem? Who is the one that is responsible for the security piece? And I really like what you said at the beginning on each person has to do their job, whatever that may be. And you really need to look at trying to make your piece of the puzzle as secure as possible. And then once it's handed off, the next person is also trying to make their piece as secure as possible so that you don't have any problems in the future and you don't have these hacks. So. With that being said, this has been an excellent conversation. I really, really appreciate talking with you, Shabby. It has been a long time coming. I know we wanted to do this months ago and we finally got it done. Hopefully everyone enjoyed it. If you are out there still listening, the way that you can show your support is by giving us a like or commenting or subscribing or whatever the cool kids do these days for the podcast and YouTube videos. That's all we got for today. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Shabby. Thank you, Vishnu. And the word of the day is, what was it? Panacea? Panacea. Panacea. <laughs> there we go. Hopefully you all learned something.